Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so, how are you feeling? We've been uh, we've been shooting a, a music video all day here I, in your. This is your hometown, Buffalo, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, born and raised actually uh, from Lackawanna. I have um, Steel Town roots with my dad and Niagara Falls with my mom. So, uh, third generation immigrants, uh, Eastern European and Italian. How did you? decide to be a blues guitarist well at the time that I started it was during the shredder kind of um, just on the edge of uh, post Van Halen mm -hmm. so you had guys like Ingve and Paul Gilbert and he had Billy Sheehan who's right here from Buffalo just killing it on the bass so I had a lot of that as the inspiration and my friend Dougie took me to see, he was my best friend in high school, he took me to see B.B. King at Kleinhans Music Hall here, which is a beautiful, you know, all wood auditorium, and they do a lot of classical and stuff. I saw that, I saw B.B. King, not dressed up, not with his hair spray painted, in a nice suit, standing in one place the whole night with the audience in the palm of his hand before he even played the first note. So that kind of power of the blues really overtook me, and, and I really got into that deep from there. Oh, here's a deep cut. When I worked for the Republican National Committee, I'm emptying my closet here, I worked for Lee Atwater, and I saw Lee Atwater and B.B. King play together in Washington, wow. D.C. They were, they were like pals for a while. Yeah, and it didn't seem like B.B. ever got political. No. No, it, it wasn't political. It was just music. Yeah. Um, but we met doing Tea Party stuff, and we were, we were trying to figure out earlier when exactly that was but I remember for sure us getting a chance to talk on an April 15th rally that we held in front of the Washington Monument it was awesome it was such a cool scene it's like 50,000 people there yeah yeah it was a huge crowd and uh, you got you got to meet your hero that night I sure did Ron Paul man the rock star of the whole thing I mean I wasn't so um, I was more into the uh, message that Ron Paul was bringing yeah. you know, more than anything. When when I heard he was going to be there, I wanted to be there, and and uh, looked like Michael Beck helped make that happen. Yeah, our friend Michael Beck, um, who was uh, I think he's the one that introduced you to me, and and that that night was pretty cool. But you, 
was it the 2008 Ron Paul campaign that sort of got you sort of philosophically minded? Were you paying attention before that? I'm not sure what was what was my actual illuminating moment with him. I think it had a lot to do with um, just transparency at the Federal Reserve and, and that whole effort, that grassroots effort. I think it was S604, that bill. Um, and just he just made so much sense, and he's so earnest, and and just seems like an honest, sensible guy. And it's so lacking in politics that, I don't know, I guess people like us just automatically it resonates with us yeah and he's he's been he's he's been on the show and and we talked about lockdowns it was quite a while ago but but he understood from day one that the, a lot of the things that the government was doing was was actually destructive if, if you care about people's health and safety and certainly their wealth and you're living in this bluest of blue states yes your your governor is king cuomo wrote a song about it like to hear it here it goes <laughs> um and uh, and and we definitely want to hear that song but uh what's what's it like i mean you, you make your living playing in front of live audiences yeah i do that and i'm also a radio host on an, on an npr affiliate here in buffalo called wbfo and uh, thankfully, they kept me on the air all through 2020 and, and beyond. Right now, every Sunday from 7 to midnight and on, um, on 88.7 here. Um, outside of that, I mean, I've, I've had some songs that, that have been placed and, you know, some royalties tricking from that. Um, guitar lessons, you know, sometimes by Skype, which is um, really going better than I expected. You know, I've, I'm t teaching some people uh, in other states, and it's just, I thought it wasn't going to be as good in the organic experience like you and I have, but uh, we're able to, to bridge that gap, although, you know, the millisecond delay kind of um, makes it harder to play together Yeah, in real time. Now, you, you had started making a new album before the lockdown started, right? Yeah. Around December, just before uh, 2020, uh, we were poised to play the second biggest ball drop in the country, which is right here in Buffalo, New York, called Buffalo um, Ball Drop. And just before that, I, I'm in regular touch with um, Tom Hambridge, who's from Buffalo. He went on to uh, win. He's a three-time Grammy winner. He's Buddy Guy's principal songwriter and uh, opening act and drummer and also has worked with Skinner and ZZ Top, and he's the go-to guy for Joe Bonamassa and, and all the... He's, he's pretty much the go-to producer for blues and blues rock for the last bunch of years. So I was in contact with him. I said, hey, Tom, um, how's it going? He, and he was inviting me to play at the Sportsman's Tavern here in Buffalo, and he said, um, if you could come sit in with me and, and do some playing, that'd be great. And I said, well... I'm going to be in Florida with my parents. So I'm still blessed to have my parents with me. And uh, I, I went and did that. But I said to him, I've got some new material that I think would be right up your alley. And I was thinking about the songs from Plug In and Play, in particular the, um, the title track. And right away, he texted me right back. And this is a guy who's so busy that you, you, you shouldn't expect an instant response from him. And he shot me some dates, and we talked. And I made the decision to buy the shoes. 
And I went down to Nashville January 14th to, uh, to do a writing session with him. We wrote a great song together called Tommy Guns with Richard Fleming, who's also a Grammy-winning writer. And then the next morning, that song was played for the first time and recorded in that studio called Soundstage, which has over 503 number one hits from Johnny Cash to, you know, Buddy Guy. That's amazing. And, and the plan was to finish that album, <laughs> release it, and hit the road. Right. Pay it back. Yeah. And then the COVID blues happened. The COVID blues, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, um, I'm looking at it positively because we were able to uh, take our time and, and get it even better than, than maybe it would have turned out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Tom's able to just churn this stuff out at a, at a ridiculous um, pace and he still maintains world-class quality. So it still would have been, um, you know, largely what it is, but um, I had produced a number of songs on my own as well with my band, Dave Herr, Tom Chimay, and um, David Hewlett on drums. And so we put all those songs together, but because they were in two different studios, it was like I wanted to make sure that they were going to be cohesive, not only stylistically, but sonically. So Tom and his team down there at Switchyard Studios, Michael St. Leon, they did all the mastering and the uh, mixing ahead of time. So I had a lot, of, a lot of listening time to listen to the mixes and say, okay, we need to make some adjustments. If I needed to do an overdub, some percussion or a harmony part or a guitar lead or something, I was able to do it because I was by myself in a house in Hamburg, New York, and uh, dealing with what everybody else was dealing with. Lockdown, lockdown. Yeah. So we, we've both been outspoken critics, not just of Cuomo, but uh, any governor that has, has locked down the economies. But as a musician, I mean, that, that's your livelihood. But from a fan's point of view, which is what I am, I think about the, the, the important um, emotional lift I get from seeing live music. Like, it's a, it's a form of therapy for me. I love going to live concerts. And any fan out there that, that really does that, um, they just went a year plus without getting that release. It's, there's there's got to be damage. Yeah, it is. It's very serious because it is medicine. It's, it's medicinal. And I don't, you know, consider myself, you know, someone who's, who's really done the work of going through law school or something like that. It's a different kind of uh, more of a shamanic, if, if for lack of a better description, um, way of conjuring that release in people. But it is, it stirs the emotions, brings joy. Maybe scientifically it's the endorphins or something, but it's a spiritual thing. And for that spiritual thing to have been denied, for religious freedom to have been denied, for freedom of speech to have been denied, we're talking about expression at, at large. Um, I think a lot of people had, had a, a big problem and a struggle with it. Supposedly, um, Cuomo is saying that New York is reopening, but I just read some of the fine print. And uh, first of all, you guys already have vax ports in New York, right? So there's yeah, vaccination they're passports. It. They're pushing that. And Cuomo has said for sporting events, and I assume the same thing is true for concerts, that there's actually going to be a vaccinated section and non-vaccinated people like me, you know, second-class citizens. Yeah we will be still required to, to have six feet distance between us. 
I don't know how that works. Um, that is the fine print. It's like, okay, we're going to allow you to open up 100%, but you still got to wear your mask and, and social distance. So in a small venue, you're not going to be able to have your 100% capacity. You're only going to be able to have as many people as you can draw a six-foot circle around. Yeah. So it's that simple. I mean, it's it's kind of, I don't know, would you call that doublespeak, political doublespeak, where they're, they're, they they present themselves as giving you some something that really is is a, a god-given liberty and right and then at the same time when you when you check it yeah. it's um, it's it, not at all it's very orwellian and i feel like uh, if anything good comes out of this hopefully people that are paying attention will realize that sometimes politicians lie to us sometimes it's shocking you wouldn't do that shocking Play this tune. That's about the right time for this. What's this, what's this song called? This song is called Living in a Blue State. And it's, it actually has become a self-fulfilled prophecy because I wrote it and recorded it. It's a good history. I wrote it and recorded it in a studio called California Road Studios in Orchard Park. And wouldn't you know it, when that gym owner who stood up for himself with all the other business people like myself. Yeah. That was where his gym is now. I recorded living in a blue state in that same studio where that viral video went out worldwide. Wow. It had millions of views. So uh, that's, that's kind of resonating for me. But um, it was actually inspired by um, Carl Palladino and Russ Thompson because they headed up a grassroots um, effort to have a toll that was overcharging people for years removed on the 190. So it worked for about a year. And then after that, they just raised the price down the road by you know, 50 to 100%. They doubled the price of what they were losing. So um, I called it living in a blue state. And if, if you know this song at home, feel free to sing along. put a red light on my job and a green light on my taxes then you gave yourself a raise left me with a severance package they say the haves are way too much and the have-nots not enough and all I'm seeing is red Cause I'm living, 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 living in a blue state. How long can you keep on trying to put the squeeze on me? It's cold enough outside to try to put the freeze on me. Well, I have just one question not out of the ordinary. 
How can you raise the tax on a toll that was supposed to be temporary? Cause I'm living, 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 living in a blue state. Well, I'm living, 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 living in a blue state. up all I think about is leaving but if everybody left we just leave it to the thieves in now I've just one question not out of the ordinary but how can you raise the tax on a toll that was supposed to be temporary cuz I'm living living Living, living in a blue state Well, I'm living, 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 living in a blue state to use that for his re-election campaign? I doubt it. I doubt it. Highly doubt it. Uh, you probably wouldn't let him anyway. No, I'd probably pull a, a Tom Petty or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's from uh, Blizzard Blues, right? Actually, it was from the one before that. It was called Sometimes. Okay. Um, we, recorded, we recorded Sometimes in, this, in, this, in the place that is now Robbie De Niro's gym, Athletes Unlimited, or Athletes Unleashed, where that uh, video took place. And uh, Blizzard of Blues came after that. And uh, the new album is called Plug In and Play. And that's why I just, I felt it would have been too contrarian to, to bring an acoustic yeah. and do that uh, routine for you today. But we had a blast doing a music video for X-Ray Girl. That was awesome. Yeah. Your, yeah. your film crew is world class. They're looking a little tired out there right now. Looking a little grumpy, but uh, it was... Uh, it was like 45 degrees, and actually it was snowing at one point this morning. It was, and then within minutes of that, the sun was out. Yeah. That, it, that goes with the, uh, the cliche that says if you don't like Buffalo weather, just wait a few minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I spent some, some of my childhood in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I was confused when I left that area because people weren't used to two feet of snow on a regular basis, but that's just normal around here, right? Yep. Yeah, we're... Um I think experiencing a, a real sense of community as a result of the, the climate around here. Uh, people help each other. 
we have to push each other out of ditches and help people who can't shovel their driveways or snow blow it. So that's why it is called the city of good neighbors here. I yeah. think that does foster a sense of community. Yeah, there's a sense of, uh, of localism that I definitely don't get in Washington, D.C. Right. You've, you would know. Yeah. So you, this is uh, the new album you're, you're pretty optimistic about, and, and I'm going to give everybody a, a, a chance to, to find this album um, right as it comes out. But, but you've, you've been a Billboard charting blues guitarist more than once? At least once. I don't, I don't keep track of it all the time. Yeah. But I know that Blizzard of Blues debuted in the top 10. It was sandwiched between some Joe Bonamassa records and uh, Buddy Guy was on there and I think Tedeschi Trucks and um, Johnny Winter. So too. some pretty stiff competition. Yeah. I, I was, um, you know, really happy with the accomplishment because I'm about as indie and DIY as it gets. Yeah. I mean, on this album... Because of the circumstances with, with uh, the, the virus, um, I took on more responsibilities than usual, with the exception of um, Tom doing the producing, mixing, and mastering with, with his team. Yeah. Designed the logo. Was literally stuffing a one sheet and a CD into over 600 envelopes and having to uh, ship those out, put five different labels on, a, on an international envelope and ship those out. Um, a lot of the, in fact, all the website maintenance. Um, so really, I, I guess I'm pretty well split, maybe between my creative and, and uh, analytical side. Yeah. So cranking that stuff out all by yourself. I mean, see, lockdowns were good for something, right? Uh, it, they were. And, and it, it wasn't, uh, I mean, even though it's, it's my name on the, on the package, they're, there really is a lot of people to thank. My, uh, my graphic artist, Tony Morrow, is amazing. He's the uh, um, designer of movie posters for things like Pirates of the Caribbean and We Were Soldiers uh, with Mel Gibson. He's done all the Stephen King novels. Yeah. Um, so I come to him with a concept, and I told him what I wanted the album art to look like. Maybe if they have a, a JPEG of that, I can, uh, people, people can see uh, somebody, that. Somebody bring me a copy of the CD so I can hold it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I come with, to him with a concept, and most of the time, I mean, he's so amazing. He'll come up with something that's that's um, better than than what I had in mind. Yeah, it's a little. Where's the camera? This one. It's a little. Uh, it's a frisky cover. It is. Well, True you to know, the blues. it's it's kind of got a little bit of that Vargas Girls vibe, but uh -huh. it's but it's modern. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. Um. We were talking about this before, and, and, and we mentioned our friend Michael Beck, and, and about a decade ago, maybe eight years ago, we were talking about putting together uh, basically a concert tour, or more like a festival tour. We, we wanted to turn a grassroots political movement into something that was more cultural, like a, a cool place to hang out, a place to, yeah. to get some sort of like emotional support from, from like-minded people. And we had a really hard time finding musicians that were willing to come out of the closet and admit that they it's were hard. conservatives or libertarians or anything it's, other than. It's really hard, Matt. Um, and, and I don't mean like I, I struggle with it on a daily basis or something. It's just that I think that there's, that there's this pervading mentality that 
um, either one, we're supposed to be neutral because, and, and I do agree to the extent that, you know, our creator gave us these gifts for everyone to, yeah. to enjoy and experience. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like it's like if you're not neutral and not saying anything, keeping your mouth shut, unless you are subscribing and promoting what, you know, things like that are, that are happening today um, in, with, with cancel culture and, and that whole kind of woke thing, for yeah. lack of a better word, yeah. I feel like if you're not promoting those types of um, ideas or in support of them wholesale, that um, you're instantly branded this or that and yeah. the other thing. And I don't think that's fair because there's there's no proof of any of that. At least in you know a lot of the cases that I see or my you know myself, I mean I've been promoting blues music and and black artists and culture who are my heroes and inspiration. I've been doing that since since it wasn't cool, you yeah. know before uh, before a lot of the stuff that's happening is is happening. You know back in um, college, my college days, I wrote a, a music column for the school newspaper at Canisius and. Uh, I always was like, really like, hey, you got to listen to these guys. You got to listen to Otis Rush and Magic Sam and Buddy Guy and B.B. King and Freddie King and Albert King. And then everybody that subsequently was influenced by them, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton. I mean, all the torchbearers all the way on through the present. And that includes, you know, the, the Eric Gales's and Joe Bonamassa's and, and um, the Derek Trucks's uh, of the world who are out there just you know, doing the same thing, you know, um, I think that's, that's a great way and a, and a great tool of, um, of bringing people together. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cause music, I mean, it's been happening since, you know, look how, how pioneering Frank Sinatra was with that. Even Marilyn Monroe, when she got Dinah Washington, that gig, um, and said, I'm not coming to your club unless she's playing here. Yeah. You know, BB King, pulling up on the tour bus at a gas station somewhere in, uh, I think it was in the, in the Southwest or something where, um, they were like, no, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna serve you gas. And he said, well, uh, or either we let them use the facilities or something. I, I it, it's in the movie that's on Hulu. And he just basically put his foot down and amazing, amazing that he did it. Yeah. And he said, um, well, we don't, we don't buy any gas then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and, and there, there's a lesson there about, about people sticking their necks out. And, and I, I recently discovered this, this great quote from Jimi Hendrix when, um, I think it was a Rolling Stone interview, where the, the reporter wanted him to be more political. And he said, um, I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm going to speak with this. And he lifts up his guitar. And I, I sort of I sort of respect that. I'm I'm sort of schizophrenic about this because a lot of my favorite musicians are apolitical because I go to a concert to to put that stuff aside. Um, but at the same time, and I think I've told you this story. I, you know, my, my, one of my favorite bands is Rush, yeah. and I got into libertarianism because that Rush album was dedicated to the genius of Vine. Right. Yeah. So what do you do? Like it? And today. Um, I think we've crossed the Rubicon because I think um, it's perfectly okay for woke musicians to be in your face all the time. So if that's the standard, it should be that standard for everybody, not just people of one per political perspective. Right, right. Speech, expression. And getting back to what you were saying about talking with this, 
I think that's something a lot of people, more people should try and do because doing it through the internet, commenting on Facebook and social media, a lot of times the, the meaning gets lost yeah. and it, it, it increases the divisiveness in the world. And I also feel like we should be interfacing less with artificial intelligence and more with natural intelligence, yeah. engaging with each other, really kind of getting that, um, that sixth sense, that feel for other people, compassion, just their presence, their energy, engaging with them, connecting with them, and observing the natural world. I mean, it's just... To me, I think it's all wonderful. I love the, I'm, I'm on the phone a lot, you know, especially in my business. I use social media uh, to promote my music. I'd probably be a much more private person if it wasn't uh, the case that I was a musician. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's the reality today that you have to be an influencer to, to get people to discover your music. Um, that's an upside, right? You, you, you don't necessarily you're not as dependent on the record industrial complex to decide whether or not you get to play music. True. And while I do engage, I don't do it a lot. And maybe I should do it more by statistics or, you know, analytics. But I don't want people to get used to that. Right. Because as a result of this whole experience with COVID, all the live streaming you know, here's my PayPal, here's my Venmo. There was a lot of that going around. But it wasn't like they were pro-quality performances. Yeah. There was stuff that people were giving away for free prior to that. Yeah. And now it was like, I'm out of work, pay me. And I didn't really want to go there. Yeah. So I didn't do that. I put out some videos. I did some, some things with you and some other people, some interviews and stuff. But again, don't get used to that. We cannot depart from the organic experience yeah. and just make this like a virtual type of thing. I, I don't agree with that. This is why, and I've, I've made videos about this too. I'm also a, a deadhead. I love the Grateful Dead and the dead couldn't be more different than Rush in terms of the style of music they play. But the thing I always loved about it was the community and the feeling you get being with a bunch of people and you love one thing in common and maybe every other thing about you is totally different. I'm guessing that not everybody in a Grateful Dead concert shares my particular politics, but that, that humanity and that inability to connect with people um, via, you see it on Facebook and Twitter, like people just are, are hating on each other because it's not human. You're not talking to another person. You're talking to a machine. Right. And the other thing about social media is in the, you know, in the entry bar for whatever you're going to post that says, what's on your mind? Yeah. Now, think about that. When I first started with the Facebook thing, I didn't know what it was. And I was just kind of an observer. And I was like, look at this. People are talking. They're actually divulging these things that, you know, you wouldn't think about divulging. And then they're starting, you know, to talk about this and that, get catty with each other, nasty. And then you get involved in it. It's like an avalanche. Think about what artificial intelligence knows about us now. If anybody's worried about it, you know, because you hear Elon Musk talking about it and other people like on the Joe Rogan show. Yeah. If anybody's worried about artificial intelligence, think twice about letting it know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know? So we got to get back to live music. Um, yeah. I think um, I, 
I only exaggerate slightly in believing that um, gathering again is what is the only thing that brings America back together. And I think yeah. I think the lockdowns have been incredibly cancerous to that end. Like sure. we we seem we seem to be more pissed off at each other than ever. But things seem to be opening up a little well, bit. Thank God for Florida. We're going. Yeah. We're going to do our release tour down in Florida and at the end of May. Yeah. Got a bunch of dates down there. I hope we get to see you and Terry. Yeah. Terry and I are going to be down for the uh, Bradenton and Venice shows, which is, is our old stomping grounds. Um, you have to travel all the way to the free state of Florida. And give us those dates because we're going we're to publish this before you actually go live. May 26th at Englewoods on Dearborn in Englewood, Florida. Great place. Home of the blues there. Our release date, 528. We're going to be at the Cottonmouth Soul Kitchen in Bradenton. Really, really cool place, more of an intimate vibe, but uh, we're going to rock it. And then uh, 29th at an epic uh, American Roadhouse, the Buckingham Blues Bar in Fort Myers. The 30th is going to be in Sebastian, Florida at another unbelievable place called Earl's Hide. We're going to be there with my friend Albert Castilla, who has uh, a really beautiful story and album um, that he just won a Blues Music Award for. We're going to be doing a, a co-bill with him. And then the next day, we're doing two. Uh, we're going to be doing the Mayaka River Blues Festival from uh, 1 till 2.30. That's in Venice. And then we're driving a couple hours, and we're going to Boca Raton and play at one of the greatest live music venues in the world. It's called the Funky Biscuit. And uh, that'll con- conclude our Florida tour. That's very um, – that's, that's a packed schedule, first of all. But um, Thank God I'm doing some stuff now because we're doing some um, some smaller shows. I'm even – playing to tracks now because I, I, I was thinking ahead to the restrictions and the occupancy and, you know, safety concerns. So I had the guys in Nashville make me up some uh, backing tracks. It's not technically karaoke if it's your song, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's your music and your performance. So I've, I've been doing some things like that, playing with the band. We played here at the Strand Theater, which has been unbelievable for us to uh, have access to. This is a great place. I miss shows in venues like this. Yeah. This is where you want to see live music. Is Florida completely wide open now? Like, is, are there any restrictions on, on musical events? I, th- I think not uh, from the government end. I don't know if, if the municipalities have that flexibility. Yeah. But I think they're basically leaving it up to private property owners. And that's, that's also the fine print. It's like, yeah. okay, the government's saying... Okay, we're going to take our hands off. It's not us. We're not the one, you know, putting the screws to you. It's the private business owners. But yet the private business owners are the ones that are doing this because they they feel they have some kind of legal liability yeah. if through contract tracing or something like that occurs that they could lose what they built their whole life for. Yeah. You know? And and if, you know, I just I just read a a report today um um, really based on some some data that that Cuomo released, I think it was last May, like a year ago, um, and he was baffled by the fact that that people that were sheltering in place were were more likely to get sick, significantly more likely to get sick than people that were out, including um, emergency healthcare workers and all that. Yeah, and it turns out that if we had let private biz- businesses figure out how to mitigate this from the bottom up at a local level with local knowledge and understanding of what people needed, we would have been a lot better off. But, but today, like private businesses don't really get 
to choose and make those decisions even though it's nominally their decision. So it's a, it's a dilemma. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's all going to um, play out, but we're hopeful that, um, that we are at least respected and dignified with making a lot of these choices ourselves. Yeah. I think that's, that's important because I think that's the essence of, of what our country and our government and democracy is supposed to be. Yeah. You know? And that's how it always was until this horrible experiment. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the music. Um, we just finished this video today. Are we going to have it done before the 28th, guys? No? Sam's taking a nap. Sam's taking a nap. He's, he's that tired. Okay, we're get, we're getting we're getting marginal commitment from, from marginal these guys. commitment. I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Depends on how he wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> we we worked him too hard today. What an amazing day and shoot! And we got to give a shout out to Ashley Mack. Yeah. Rock star. X-ray I mean, girl. The X-ray girl. I mean, we were in. You know, I I think forty-five was a very generous estimate as to what we were facing with the temperature today it was i think low 40s especially earlier in the morning and then with that wind coming off of the lake yeah and um and the buffalo river system i think we are well into the 30s especially her she's in that gorgeous red dress yeah that's it you know and she was out there you know taking direction like a like a pro well it was snowing so it was definitely not 45 somewhere right yeah it was at least 32 somewhere right so tell us um, how we get our personal copy of Plug In and Play by Tommy Z. About four or five different options. Uh, the best one, direct from the artist, you can get the uh, highest quality MP3s from me at 320 kilobits per second through TommyZBand.com slash shop. You can get the CD there. You can get the other CDs. You can get the T-shirts. Um, but if you're an iTunes user, Apple Music, can download it and pre-order it right now and get an instant grat track of Tommy Guns, which is the song that I co-wrote with Tom Hambridge and Richard Fleming. And then you can also get it at Amazon. You can get the CDs there. Um, I think you can get up to probably quantities of three or four at a time if you want to um, get them for your whole family or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, and Spotify's got a pre-save on it right now. But those are the big ones right now. You know, my website's um, iTunes and Amazon. And release day is, is May 28th. May 28th. And the goal here is to get as many people to buy as many CDs as possible so that Always. you can kill it yeah. on the billboard charts. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's really about getting the um, music into the ears and, and hearts and minds of the most people as possible because it's something that we all believe in. We wouldn't be sitting here if we didn't believe in it and believe in each other and our message. Um, but yeah, that's, that's part of the business, uh, you know, is, uh, um, you know, business people look at charts, they look at touring history, they look at tickets sold and, and things like that. So if you can help us out, that'd be awesome. You know, you, you, that spiritual piece of music um, I think there's something inherently connected between individual liberty and music. And I noticed a trend when we did this deep dive on, on various horrible experiments in socialism, the Soviet Union, North Korea, Cuba, um, Yugoslavia. The, the, the thing that I discovered that I didn't really appreciate before 
is that they always banned music. They always went after artists. They always went after poets and actors first because the, those, that creative side of our brain is the free side. And there's got to be something about music and freedom that go together. Yeah. You know who just said that recently was, uh, I saw a quote. I don't think he said it recently, but Stevie Ray Vaughan's uh, big brother, Jimmy. Yeah. He said the music has always represented freedom to him. And I, I couldn't agree more because, you know, I feel blessed to have been able to take this journey and to play music. But not only that, but choose what kind of music I play, what songs that I play feel like beholden where I have to play Brick House or some top 40 thing because uh, not to knock anybody that's doing it I think that the whole tribute phenomenon is kind of dangerous because how much music is being added to the repertoire you know for the future I mean we've got you know big big catalogs of great songs you've got Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and all this great music but how much how much of that is being added to because people are focusing a lot of their time doing um, cover tunes and tributes. So I would just encourage people if I think to carve out your own niche. You know, talk about yourself or something you know about or someone you know about. Tell your story and, and it'll take you on this path. That's how you and I met. Yeah. I mean, how many blues musicians, you know, are. I mean, are talking like we're talking, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Okay, that's a great way. Uh, take us out of here. You got one more song for us? One more song? Um, well, let's let's party. Okay. Let's do going to a party. Because this is the song that, that is how we met. Yeah, you played that song that day. This we could use some audience participation on. So when I say, tell me, where's the party? You guys shout back. Kibby on, on Liberty. Kibbity or Blaze TV? Uh, Blaze TV. All right. Tell me where is the party? Blaze TV. Yeah. Well, I'm going to a party. Baby, won't you come along? Yeah, I'm going to a party. Baby, won't you come along? We're gonna dance all night, shake it till the break of dawn. Well, I've been working real hard for the boss man, working real hard every day. I got some green in my jeans, head full of steam, gonna blow it off some way. So I'm going to a party, baby, won't you come along? We're gonna dance all night, shake it till the break of dawn. Well, I got my invitation to have a celebration and I'm primed and I'm ready to play. My work's all done and I'm ready for some fun. So come on, baby, what do you say? Let's go to a party. Baby, won't you come along? We're gonna dance all night. Shake it till the break of dawn. Tell me where is the party? 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 We're gonna dance all night. Shake it till the break. Dance all night. Until the earth is quaking. Dance all night. And shake it till the break of dawn. Yeah.
you, sir. Thank you. That was amazing. Where can I get more content just like that? It's a great question. You're clearly a discerning consumer of the best content. Make sure to like the video, subscribe, and click the bell. And if you're consuming podcasts, go to Apple, Stitcher, anywhere you get them. I'm in. Kibbe on Liberty, honest conversations with interesting people.